on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I get worried if I'm not spending money on my business. And I think yeah. that's something that kind of may, maybe separates some six-figure businesses from some seven, eight, nine-figure businesses. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Eli Bowman on the King stage. My brother, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, Chaz? I'm good, man. You know, we were just talking off air about several different things, but you you said uh, you said that you've been watching or listening to some other shows, and I told you I just so appreciated that, and I could go home. I could go home to sleep sleep well tonight because because <laughs> Eli Bowman has uh, has told me that I'm I'm putting out good stuff. So I just really appreciate that, man. <laughs> man, it's really good. You really are. You're doing great work. I appreciate that. In all seriousness, uh, what what brings you to the stage? What kind of business do you have, brother? Well, I was serious. You're doing great work. You really are. I mean, you're really adding a lot of value. And 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 I think that the more people that listen to this the more successful people will have in business and just in life. So I, you know, kudos to you for really, really putting the value out here, but to answer your question, which was what again? (laughs) (laughs) What business you got, man. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm a multiple business owner. Um, but my, my meat and potatoes right now is an assembly company. Uh, we, we assemble bikes and grills and patio furniture for, uh, for Walmart. Walmart is, uh, this is where I think me being on the show would be kind of a little bit of a different flavor for some of your listeners. In that yeah. business, I have one customer, just one. So yeah. sales is looks a lot different for us because Walmart's our only customer. We service 34 stores. Uh, they want to grow us to uh, you know at least 100 next year. So scaling is something we're constantly thinking about and something right. that we've had to constantly work on. Um, but that that's what the, the the meat and potatoes of my of my business portfolio is right now. My, most of my attention is really on this assembly company. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. I'd love to hear just a quick, you know, I know you got some other irons in the fire. I'd love to hear just at least maybe the industries. Give us a little taste of what you got. Sure. I actually started in uh, payments processing, merchant services sales. So, and that was back in uh, in 2004. I, I actually took a job selling uh, business phone services. I came into work one morning, you know, and I was not, I was always middle of the pack in the sales ranks. I was okay. not a great salesman. I wasn't an awful salesman. I was pretty young at the time. I think it was 20, 21. Um, and I was just very average. So one day we came into work and we were just sitting there waiting for our, our boss to come in, our sales manager to come, you know, get us pumped up and, you know, the whole sales meeting deal. And she came in and she said, I got some interesting news. You're no longer selling business phone services you're selling something called merchant services. And I had no idea what that was. It was the vaguest term I've ever heard. It's still a vague term. People hear merchant services and they still don't know exactly what that is. But if you're a business owner, you know what it is. It's the credit card Uh and debit card processing, right? There's a fee for that. Anyway, I jumped on that opportunity. I was like, sweet, here's a chance. Like the whole field is leveled now. 
me and every other sales rep in that office that, that used to be selling business phone services, we all get to start from scratch with an industry we don't know. So I just jumped into learning everything I possibly could about payments processing back in 2004. And it just, I got good at it. I, I quickly became the number one sales rep in the office. And it just was something that I, that I knew that I just, I was good at. I just, because I took the time and I took the effort to dive in. Yeah. It was new. It was uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was doing. I had to, I had to kind of learn all new lingo, all new jargon, whatever you want to call it. But sure. one thing that did translate was my relationship skills, my sales skills, and just being able to relate to people. Um, so that transferred right over, but that's how I got started in my own business. I, I left there. I kind of got wrapped up in the whole conveyor belt mentality. I did go to college and finish, finish college at the Ohio state university business school, um, but, and I worked in corporate finance for like a year or a year and a half. And I was <laughs> okay. so miserable Chaz, because yeah. like, I knew, I knew that like I did, I could not stay there. Um, if, if you're an entrepreneur and, I, and I'll, I'll try to make this brief, um, so we can keep going. If you're an entrepreneur, like you feel it in your bones. Yeah. And when, when you're not doing what entrepreneurs do, you're uncomfortable. It's hard to work for someone else constantly. It's hard to be told. It's hard to be at a place because someone told you to. It's hard to do a job because uh, because you know you'll get fired if you don't do it. It doesn't sit right with someone who's really truly a, a cut from the pure cloth entrepreneur. Yeah. So I left corporate finance in 2009. Okay. Economy was bad. Started my own merchant services company. So instead of selling at an office, I actually started my own credit card processing, merchant services, uh, customer acquisition company. It's kind of a franchise model. I, I borrowed another brand. I just was an independent sales rep for them, but I, I was able yeah. to use their brand in, in marketing. And that's kind of how I got started. So my, my portfolio of businesses, to come back to your question, I'm in payments processing. That's kind of where I got started in sales and in sort of doing my own thing, running my own company. Um, I also have a, um, a, a digital marketing company. I think a lot of people do now. I think there's a lot to offer out there. Um, and there's a lot in flux with Web 3.0 and the metaverse that's coming and with blockchain technology, lots and lots to incorporate into new business, into businesses. And in uh, third, I do have this assembly company. So that's kind of like my trifecta right now in my portfolio. I love it. I love um, I love the backstory, too, because, you know, obviously everybody likes to know kind of how people get rolling. And sales is a is a it's not always an easy on ramp to entrepreneurship, but but a lot of sales guys, especially the ones that then that can then take the leap um, yeah. into more than handling just the sales process, then that's your entrepreneur. Because we love the sales process. Flow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, so I want to know inside of all these things you have going on, obviously this history of business, you've been pushing, you've been making great money. Why are you doing it? What's the bigger pay? What's the bigger picture? What, what, what like what's, what's, what, what do you tick? <laughs> I, I, uh, I wish I could say that I was motivated just by making dollars. I'm not. I love what the dollars represent, though. They, they, they represent choices. They represent options. Um, I know what it's like to basically not have any money. And I would, I would venture to say nearly every entrepreneur that you meet knows what it's like to be broke. Yeah, because at some point. point, they had to figure it out. They had, to, they had to come to terms with the fact that they have to eat what they kill if they're going to be a, a true entrepreneur, a real business owner. 
Um, so most of them, not all, some, some have a more, had a more fortunate beginning and that's fine and, and more power to them. No, no harm, no foul. Love those guys, love those gals, but most entrepreneurs know what it's like to be broke. And so to me, money, I'm not just looking for the number to go up. I'm looking at the choices in front of me when that number goes up to me, that's what money equals. And it, it equals choices. It equals freedom. It equals a lifestyle that I've always dreamed of as a kid. Yeah. If you don't mind, give us some of those, what are the choices that like keep you up at night? Like the ones that you either want to make or that what you want to have open to you or the ones that you're hoping in the next couple of years get open to you. Give us some insight there on like maybe what that, what that looks like for you. I, to me, it's, I've always been more about uh, in my life experiences have always mattered more to me than things. Um, I have a lot of, of friends who are really, really rich, way richer than me, w- you know, way wealthier than me with net, net, net worths and incomes that are just in the stratosphere. And, and yeah. look, these guys have Rolexes and Lamborghinis and I love them. And I love, you know, I, I, don't, I went to lunch with my friend not too long ago. He took me outside. We looked at his Ferrari and I was just blown away by it and really impressed. However, um, my decisions are really kind of like what I think about as far as choices go. And what I really want to do is invest back into my companies because I want to exit someday down the line. Um, so when I'm at night, when, when I'm when I'm laying down at night and I'm thinking about the options and the choices that I want to make, I get worried if I'm not spending money on my business. And I think yeah. that's something that kind of may, maybe separates some six-figure businesses from some seven, eight, nine-figure businesses is yeah. When you have a small business, you're, you're thinking, how can I save money? How can I stop from spending money? Or you, you look at expenses as a hemorrhage. Uh, when you have a business that's scaling and you know it's growing and you know you know that if you invest back into it, it's going to continue to scale and grow. At right. night, when I think about how the number in the corporate account keeps going up, I start getting nervous because I'm like, I know that I can <laughs> use that money to make my business even more valuable, even better. Right and more lucrative, not only for me, but for my people, and that my exit strategy becomes more exciting if I know that I'm investing back in my business. So when I lay down at night, I don't dream of Lamborghinis or Rolexes, although I love those things. I dream of, and I think about how can I put money back into my, my businesses? You know, um, if, if, I w- if I didn't share that thought with you, I would, I would call BS. I would say, Come on, Lambos, Ferraris, boats, yachts, you know, Rolexes. I mean, come on, come on. Um, taking your family on vacations. I mean, I see that you're married. Like, come on. But <laughs> I know, I know. I'm with you. Like, I, I haven't met too many other people who, like, at that level, like, <laughs> okay, could we go buy a Ferrari cash? Oh, does right. it does that does that get me excited? No. And, and right. And, and, and I, I understand why it gets people excited. Look, I, one day I, I really want a Corvette. I don't even want a Ferrari. Look, if someone gave me a Ferrari, I take the Ferrari. Sure. Sure. But I'm a, I want to have classic vests. So I do have this like tangible sort of worldly kind of idea of like something that I want a thing, a toy. I yeah. do want to enjoy. I, I do want to enjoy the wealth that I create. Yeah. And that's, that, that is, I think when you make a lot of money, yeah, you want to, you want to use it. You want to have a comfortable life, but, but I, I just bought a, I bought a new watch last week and I'm so excited about it. 
but it's a fossil watch, Chaz. <laughs> I could have I could have bought a better watch, like a, a higher, yeah. a fancier, more expensive watch. I could have, but I yeah. like Fossil. And to me, yeah. I got excited about that. And that's good enough for me. Um, I don't know if that makes me weird. I don't know yeah. if it makes me, uh, you know, I didn't get it for the price tag. I didn't give it to save money. I didn't get it so that yeah. I can have more money to put in my business. I didn't. I just like Fossil watches. And yeah. one day I'm going to own a 1963 split back Chevy Corvette. It's going to happen. Yeah. But it's not going to yeah, be a uh, brand new Ferrari. It's going to be a classic. Exactly. Exactly. What what I hear you saying is that you're doing you. And yeah. and I think actually that's the message I want to kind of just maybe translate to the listener is that whether six figures, seven figures, eight or nine, um, the the permission and really can you kind of hinted at that is that the guys that are um maybe a little bit bigger, uh, they've just realized that <clears throat> maybe the opinions of others don't matter as much. And and I'm gonna if I'm gonna look at my business as a, an investing tool, then yeah, I, I get excited about shoveling it back in. I mean, because Cause you can only play so much. You can only, you know, wine and dine yeah. so much um, where maybe it feels a little, a little gluttonous or a little bit like, ah, I really need all this. No, but like, but, but the business does that business will, will eat it um, and eat it fast too. And so we like to like insert it into the, into the, you know, it's like a reverse ATM. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and that's where I get, that's where I get indulgent with my spending. I will, I will, I will buy new software, incorporate new software. If it makes my company, yeah. run better and smoother and makes a scale. And it might seem like an indulgent purchase. Eli, you've already got software that works for that company. Why are you going to spend more money on software? Well, this does more things and we can grow with it more or uh, hire a consultant or an agency to help me with this or that aspect of my business. I'll hire the best. I don't want mediocre. I don't want a mediocre marketing agency. I don't want a mediocre consultant. I want the best number one. So I will spring I'll buy the Rolex of consultants. I'll buy the Rolex or the Lamborghini of marketing agencies. Not, you know, not anything less. So I get indulgent with my spending when it comes to adding value to my assets. I, I love, I love the angle that we're in. I want to stay in the vein just for just for another half second. I want you to answer this question based on who we're talking to. Obviously, folks that haven't reached the seven-figure mark yet, but they aspire to. What would you say in this vein here of investing or putting back in or maybe staying away from some of the like easy things. Cause even at two, three, 800,000, like that owner could spend some money on some things and, and, and maybe they are the listener. Maybe they aren't, I don't know, but what would you say to that person right there in this same vein? What would be the advice? My advice to that person would be to really take stock of, of like their, their inner wellness. Um, if you've been just living like a pauper, close to the bone for months or years trying to build your business and it's starting to scale. And maybe you're at that half a million, you know, revenue mark a year, you know, upward of, you know, three quarters of a million, like you said, 800,000 a year, you, you start looking at the corporate account, all your bills are paid. Um, you're looking at, at a padding of, 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 of liquid. And you're like, wow, you know, I can, I can really cut myself a sizable check. I would say if you are tending to your business, Make sure you reward yourself because being an entrepreneur and a business owner is it's an endurance test. Um, when you start out, I should say, when you start out, it's an endurance test because you're you're struggling to even figure out if you should pay yourself or not. And then when you do pay yourself, that can there can be a guilt attached to that if you aren't sort of whole on the inside. So my advice or my, what I would say to, to, to someone in that position who is, who has a smaller business that's finally starting to scale. If you know, your business is taken care of, make sure that you're taken care of too. 
and yeah. pay pay your bills. Make sure you're you're more com- make sure your your girl or your boy is more comfortable. Your kids, if you've got them, make sure that they are happy. Make sure you're not disappearing into your business when you have other obligations. Um, but sometimes take that money out and make sure you're doing okay, and you don't have to live broke forever. Yeah. Yeah. And for the guys who uh, have no money in the account because they've been spending it on all this stuff, maybe, maybe, maybe slow it down. Maybe, maybe put some in the reserve account. Um, maybe make sure that when things uh, change markets, like they did in the last 60 days that uh, you, you aren't, you aren't up a Creek without a paddle. <laughs> right. I think about Gary V and I'll just be very brief on this point. Um, look, if you're obsessed with your company and like putting money back in is how you get fulfillment, by all means, do it. Like if, if you are, if you're like Elon Musk and you're cool with having a multi-billion dollar valuation of your company, but you're sleeping in on, on your friend's couches in your apartments because you just don't have the liquid because it's all tied up in your net worth with your companies. Look, if that's how you get fulfillment, by all means, do the thing, like do your thing, get that fulfillment. But if you, if part of what fulfills you is, um, you know, living a life, living a lifestyle or a certain lifestyle or living your life a certain way, uh, please pursue that too. I think you got to, it's a balance. You got to take care of both your business and yourself. But if you are broken inside, it's just a matter of time until you start making some big, big mistakes in your business. So you got to, you got to take care of yourself and not just yeah. physically, but mentally, emotionally. Yeah, you're spot on. And you're even parlaying right into my next questions here. I want to talk about a good and bad decision. So Think back to, you know, maybe earlier on, um, if you can, if you can go back to the place before million, and I want you to tell me a good decision that you made that you can share with listeners. I, uh, a good decision I made was to, to give my best people raises and promotions. Um, you think to yourself, okay, if they're your best people, you kind of want them in their lane because they're doing a good job. They're your best people for a reason. They're, they're the best at doing what they do. But identifying if they can add more value and uh, to your business, and not only to your bottom line, but to your people, don't be afraid to pay them. You got to pay people. I think Jose mentioned this. Jose Sanchez mentioned this on your show when he was on. You you can't be afraid to pay good people. Right. It is well worth it. So yeah. that's that's what I would say is 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 scale. Don't be afraid to scale up. Spend that money on the good people that can make it bigger with you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, it's so good to hear that because I think even <clears throat> at every level, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we reenact this feeling inside of us of going, okay, I need another this, or I need another that person or this department head or whatever, whether it's a team member or a key role, we still have to, you know, one up ourselves of going, okay, I got to do this again. I want, I need to invest again. And so what would you say to that listener right now? Who's heard you just say, go ahead, go do it. It's okay but they're just like, you know, their little knees are just, you know, together um, because it's going to cost, you know, maybe 40, 50, 60, a hundred K for, you know, to have somebody who's, who's a quality like you're talking about. That's right. So to the person who's scared to pull that trigger, um, I would ask that person to, to try to remember why they started all this and to try to remember why they're even doing it at all. If you're doing it because you really want the lifestyle of someone who owns a business system, then you've got to do what those people do. And that is they reinvest. They get uncomfortable with the operation of their business as far as spending money goes, because they know that this is better. It's better to grow than to just stay. Fear will keep your business exactly where it is or shrink it. Fear never grows business. 
So you've got to look inward, maybe do some personal development, network and surround yourself with, with people who have won in business. If you don't have a mentor, try to find a mentor, someone who does own a business or has owned a business that has kind of taken those leaps and has been where you're trying to go. Leverage that mentor relationship or those people that will lift you. You know, they say a rising tide lifts all ships. If you are surrounded by other ships, if you're a ship, make sure the ships around you are ships of people who have won or who are winning and you will elevate. This is what's great about your community is when people link arms with other people in the gathering of the gathering, the King's community, they are lifted up and they're get, they're given great ideas. They're, they're told that they can do it. They're told that, that it's okay to be afraid, but, but always push forward. So if, if, if you remember why you did it in the first place and you surround yourself with the people that have won or that are winning and you just don't stop Chaz, you're, you're going to win. That's what I would say to that person. If you're afraid to pull that trigger, get with people who have pulled that trigger and eventually you will. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Okay. um, Let's flip the coin. Bad decision. What happened? (laughs) My assembly company, um, I got into business with a guy and, and, and one of my weaknesses as a business owner is I really like to be liked jazz. I don't yeah. like being the bad guy. Um, yeah. My operations manager, I kind of make him the bad cop, bad cop and I'm the good <laughs> cop. Um, but that's a weakness. It's a liability in fact, and it has cost me money and it's cost me tens of thousands of dollars. When I first started, I, I got into business with, with the wrong person. And this person uh, took me for, you know, almost, almost $40,000 um, and I thought for sure that it would be worth it. And I just kept getting taken advantage of. So a poor decision was, was not following my business instincts and instead just following what's compassionate. Now, I don't want to confuse yeah. people. I don't, I don't want to say don't follow your heart because it's important that we, that we follow what we believe in you know, to, be, to be right. But we have to wake up sometimes and we have to kind of examine our current paradigms. I got into business with someone who took me for tens of thousands of dollars and who made it seem like I would be a bad person if I didn't. So I, I, I got all kinds of messed up from that experience. Um, <laughs> that was a poor experience. And I knew at the time, rationally, I was like, look, if, if I put my fiduciary hat on, the, the fiduciary responsibility I have to my company, the answer is no to continuing to right. give money to this partner of mine, but I didn't listen. So that was a poor decision. Not every decision is going to be a winning decision. You will fail, That's right? but when you do make sure you learn from it. Yeah. How, I mean, obviously looking back and looking at the relationship, but how, how, how have you learned from this? And not necessarily, what did you learn? Cause I always ask that, what did you learn? But since you said, make sure you go back and learn, how would somebody go do that? Whether it's this example or another mistake, what's your analyzation process? It's, it's, it's so tough when you're, when you, especially when you're new and you're going things, through things for the first time. Yeah. Um, again, if you don't have a mentor, you're just, it's the blind leading the blind. Make sure that you are with, that you're associating with people that have done it. Um, but as far as how it's learned, you, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna fall on your face and People don't know what they don't know, Chaz. So right. I really think it's that's a problem that's changing in our business. And I think coaches and, and communities are doing a good job of informing business owners that there's just a better way. But there's just a lot 
I, I'm just, I'm going to say ignorance out there. And I don't mean that in an, in an insulting way. I mean that, that people just don't know what they don't know. Most yeah. people get into business, they're not mentally or emotionally or financially prepared to do it, right. but they do try their best, but they don't know how to fail well. <laughs> so you got to know how to fail well. It's easy to quit. Yeah. When I think about a child walking, a baby walking, you know how many times a baby falls down when they walk? Chaz, like, it's like thousands right. of times. They hit their head, they skin their elbow, they cry, but they just keep going. They, they don't understand doubt. If, if people, you know, they won't listen to For people sure. going, oh, you'll never learn how to walk. I mean, no one's saying that to a baby, <laughs> but, but they, they just, they block it out. Even if they were saying it, the babies would block it out. They, it's like, it's yeah. like they didn't understand. And they just eventually, guess what they do? They walk. Gener by and large, they learned how to walk. They learned how to walk. So it's the same thing with, with owning a business. If you just keep going, when you fail, you're going to seek out the lesson. Yeah. And if you, and if you, usually you find it, if you seek it out. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I've never heard the, the analogy of the, the baby walking, but you're so true. You're so right. When it comes to, they're eventually going to do it. And I think even just back to parenting, you know, put my parenting hat on for a second. We just had our fourth. And so it's like, I'm, I'm just so not concerned about the moment. I mean, yes, I want to be there and we're going to take pictures, but it's not like I run to the rest of the world. Like, Oh my goodness, my, my, my fourth Romy Joe, she just took her first walk. Like, like you do with the first one, right? Cause with yeah. the first one, it's like, Oh my goodness, it's everything. What I realized to your point is that they'll get it nine months, 10 months, 15 months. They'll get it. It's, it's, it just, they'll figure it out. That's um, right. But to take that like another layer and to say, if the, if the kid could understand from a mentorship perspective, if they could understand, if they could take like, okay, step and then move, like if they could actually take the direction of the, the parent, how much quicker would they walk? Physically, obviously there's a limitation there, but if there was no physical limitation, thinking now business as the listener today, as maybe the baby in the example, and them finding a mentor, like you're saying, or just listening to guys like you here on, on Gathering the Kings, it's like, if, if, if you can just hear it, like if you can imagine a baby actually taking the advice of the parents of step, pick up your foot, hold your balance, like all the things that we're saying when they're doing it, but they don't understand, like you're saying, which yeah. is good for them and not so good. So if the, if the listener can actually listen, maybe they can walk faster. It, it, this goes back, Chaz, to who your associations are and that rising tide that lifts all ships. Look, it depend, if, if babies could understand the feedback they're getting from their parents, the the effect and opinion of their parents would go a long way in determining the result of that baby. The That's thing right. is that we associate people, we, we associate with people who don't necessarily want to see us succeed. They may not say that, they may not even know it, but yeah. subconsciously it's hard for them to see others succeed above their station. And so imagine if a baby has parents who are jealous or has parent, the baby has parents who say, yeah, maybe you'll learn how to, to walk, but you'll never learn how to run. A lot of us are living in that reality. We just don't realize it. We have friends and associates who they, they've, they've been broke. They've always been broke. And that can weigh us down. And, we, the for, and Ryan Stuman from Apex, he talks about the, the force of average. And the force of average is always pulling us down. Yeah. But if that baby has encouraging parents, parents who know that that baby's going to walk because they know they can walk, they know that baby's going to run because they learned how to run. And they're encouraging that child to walk and to run and to really learn how to do it well, not constantly picking them up when they fall, but letting them get up. Yeah. 
that child's going to, it's good. They're going to have a better time and a more, more likely, uh, a, a more likely road to success because their parents are more encouraging. Now, obviously I've got five kids myself, you've got four. So between our nine kids, I, I would hope that we've encouraged nine people, you know, to do, to be the best that they can be. Um, okay. But, but business owners today, they don't always have that encouragement. Yeah. So again, they, they don't always know what they don't know. If yeah. they can find a way to work on themselves, they'll seek the answer and they'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't know who they don't know. Um, and so to you, to your community points, um, that uh, those, those ships around us are so important. Um, yeah. One quick question before we leave the topic of decision-making, I want you to tell me now at the level that you are now, is there a certain way that you make decisions, certain process, discipline that you follow? Um, a lot of it really is, is from, is from instinct. Um, if I think about something too long, I, I tend to make some poor, de poor decisions. <laughs> I tend to overanalyze. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's my own fault. You know, that, again, that's a weakness that I have, but I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an uncommon weakness, Chaz. I think that lots sure. of business owners overanalyze. And when you do that, you start overthinking and then your decisions are based on information that really isn't relevant to, to the result you're trying to get. Right. So when I am presented with a, a decision in my business, I try to make a decision within a, a short, reasonable amount of time. Um, if it's a decision that affects everyone, and as a business owner, most of your decisions affect everyone in your organization, then it's worth it. You know, is it important that I weigh it weigh into or that, that it weighs into my consideration how it will affect my people? Absolutely. But no one else in my organization or my business is gonna is, can make that decision. Only I can. Right. So if I take too long, I overthink and I can make. Or, or I could spend too much money or I could not spend enough money. But if I just, am I, when I'm faced with the decision, I kind of know already instinctually, instinctively what yeah. I need to do. And I usually end up following that and that's been working. Where do your instincts come from, Eli? I think they come from a couple different places. One, I think the personal development that I've done over the years has, has raised my baseline of acumen. So instead of absolutely falling apart when I'm confronted with a difficult business decision, especially one that, that has big financial ramifications, I don't fall apart anymore. I kind of grab that bull by the horns and go, okay, here's an opportunity to, to do something special. Um, and, and, and I feel like I can credit that to just to reading good books, to associating with good people, and to keeping my my personal development and personal growth is something that I'm constantly working on. I uh, network marketing is a good example. I'm not in network marketing right now. Based on my current paradigm, I don't know if I'll ever be involved in network marketing again. However, network marketing taught me like a trillion different things that have helped me own a traditional business. And yeah. maybe I won't, you know, foray into network marketing again. But man, I love network marketers because that opportunity really set me on a path of personal development, personal growth, looking at things as a business, honoring and respecting and nurturing relationships. All of these things are so valuable to owning a traditional business, especially when you want to scale into the seven, eight, nine figure figure ranks. So I love network marketers and love, love network marketing uh, because it helped make that foundation for me. Am I in it right now? No, please don't pitch me. <laughs> but 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 I do respect the heck out of that hustle. 
Yeah. Well, and, and you think back is it, it was your personal development education. I think back to the three ish years that I was involved in, in network marketing. I was, you know, um, 18, 19, 20, or maybe 19, 20, 21. But um, the reality is, is that I read more books in that three year period than any college buddy of mine. And, and, uh, and even though the, the, the team building inside of that little network marketing didn't work out, um, man, the leverage that I've been able to take, just like what you're saying. So, um, it is funny. I've thought about that several times of like, you know, whether it be my son or like, if I'm actually giving, like if somebody was coming to come to me for real business advice before they actually had a business, so yep. I wouldn't ask somebody to leave their business. Hey, go do a network marketing company for a year and, and do everything that they say. Like yeah, not one thing, don't deviate, do everything. <laughs> and yes. then, and then maybe you'll have uh, some gas in the tank to go, uh, to go do your own thing. To anyone that's failed in network marketing, yeah, you should you should still be thankful for all the things you learned. I know that if you really gave it all you had, you learned a ton of things. Maybe you didn't build the team of your dreams. Maybe you didn't achieve the rank of your dreams. But stop focusing on that. Look at what you learned. Look at yeah. what it has done for you positively. And I bet you can find lots of good that came from a network yeah. marketing experience, even one that failed. Oh yeah, some of my some of my clients and partners and connections today come from the decades ago that I was doing that. Um, so it's, yeah, you're big relationships. Okay. Let's, let's transition to the speed round. I'm going to come at you in a little different way with some questions. I want to know, especially since you're in different industries, I want you to take all of your business, dwindle it down into one trackable metric. What is it? Oh, they're so different. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I would say, um, mm, units, units. If it's okay. assembly, it's bikes. If it's payments processing, it's number of, of new merchant IDs. If it's digital marketing, it's not a, a, a number of new customers. Um, to me, it, it, it's it's about production. So if I can just na put narrow down to units, if I, I if I know how many bikes I'm my guys are building, then I know generally speaking where I stand as a company. If I know how many new merchant IDs I'm getting every month, I generally know the the the, the welfare that the well-being of that business. So it would just be and that's kind of a cop out answer because it's no, like good. sales. What a what a thoughtful <laughs> idea, you know, judging a company by its revenue, right? Um yeah. but that that would really be it for me because then I know yeah. what I can I know if I'm failing somewhere and, or I know that I can pump into that to to bring those numbers up. So yeah. And I think that, you know, um, that's really the, the caveat here is that obviously we've got lots of different answers that come from different guests, but um, whatever that one metric is <clears throat> that most people share, it's, it's that metric that if all that, if that's all that they had, like you said, I then understand generally the rest of like everything else kind of falls in the yeah. line in my brain. Yeah. And I back can into manage the other it from now. Exactly. Um, okay. Good stuff. What book would you recommend for a six figure business owner? Um, for the average six-figure business owner, if you haven't read Robert Kiyosaki's books yet, I would. People talk about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like it's the Bible. And it's great. It's so good, Chaz. But the book that you really need to know from Robert Kiyosaki is Cashflow Quadrant, because that is the book that helps you understand the difference of, of, of how money is made as a business owner, like someone that owns a business symptom, a business system, Versus someone who is self-employed and owns a job. Believe me, I've 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 been in both. I've I've been in both. Really, I've been in all the quadrants. So I, I understand what happens within the quadrants. 
But yeah. but that book will really change the way that you forever look at earning money. So if if you own a small business and maybe you you know 100 200 quarter of a million dollars in sales per year, I know that you're not living the lifestyle that you really wanted to accomplish when you started. Read the cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki if you haven't and apply that to your life and see how you can put yourself in the right quadrant, like basically the next quadrant you're supposed to get in that you're trying to get in and make all your actions kind of move toward that direction. And you'll start seeing a lot of changes in your life, including higher, uh, higher revenue numbers that that'll put you in a place where you can be on this show rather than, you know, tuning in. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Um, what you've, you've kind of already mentioned, you know, rising tide <clears throat> raises all ships and obviously networking. My question to most of my guests is what do you think about networking and masterminding? Since we kind of already know what you think generally, what would you say to the person listening today that maybe they've been listening for a while, they've heard this question many times, or maybe they're brand new to the show today and they're just now hearing about this idea of networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs, what would you leave them with? I mean, to keep it short and sweet, do it. If it's uncomfortable, do it anyway. You have to look at networking and associating with other entrepreneurs and, and successful business owners as something that is mandatory, not as something that sounds nice, not as something that can maybe you'll fit in your schedule if you're free. No. An investment in your network is an investment not only in yourself, but in your business. Whoever nurtures the most relationships wins, period. So you have to look at that aspect of your life. And look, if you're an introvert and you're a, if you're a business owner and an introvert, first of all, I'm praying for you, brother or sister, because that is hard. It is hard to be an like a true introvert and, and be an entrepreneur. It takes more from you than it does from someone who's an extrovert uh, like myself. So kudos there. So you, my, my advice would be, you know, look, get uncomfortable with your with networking with the right people. I spend thousands of dollars a month networking with a certain level of people and it's worth it to me because sometimes you you know you'll get involved in business with them or you'll meet someone that's like hey you're like right. the expert I needed to get my business to the next level and they turn around and say you know what's funny is I've needed someone like you in my organization or my business as well. When you network with people who are trying to win, who are trying to not just like be successful, but be like successful millionaires, you know, that, you know, even, even approaching billionaire status, that networking with people like that is possible, but you can't just walk in. You kind of got to pay to play. So be willing, be willing to invest in yourself and your business by being part of a network of high producing, high performing individuals. Yep. Love the answer. Um, <clears throat> operational question for you. If you only had one hour each week to run your businesses, what would you do in that one hour to successfully run your business like you do now? Oh, uh, wow. It's a great question. I think that I would um, gather up my managers and I would, you know, kind of nurture, not just my managers. I guess if I had an hour every week, you said an hour a week, right? Yep. Uh, this is tough, Chaz. I would encourage, I would have a big, I would have a meeting. That might sound counterintuitive, but I would actually have a meeting. A yeah, company-wide meeting. And you I get, would say, you, the listener got to hear you processing all of that in real time. It was great. What I would do is I would, uh, I would inspire 
my people, my team, my managers, and my employees with, with, with stories that relate to them, that they can take them that week and they can feel like they can win that week. Because what I try to do in my company is I make sure that all of my people, whether they're my you know, top level managers or like just started out part-time assembler, I want them all to think like business owners. I want all of my people, managers or entry-level part-time assemblers, anywhere between that, I want them to feel like they can have ownership in their career with me. I want them to see a path to success, not just financially, but, but personally within my organization. So if I had an hour, I would just spend an hour telling stories that inspired and motivated my team members to then perform to the best of their ability that week because they know it will help them. Yes, it will help the company, but I want them to feel like empowered to feel like they're winning by working within my organization. Yeah, you've used this word winning uh, a handful of times. It's it's a it's a favorite word of mine um, among several others. But <clears throat> you know, I think that we each have to find ways to win every single day. Uh, it's like our duty to find ways to win. And 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 I, that's why I hear you saying is that you would basically get with your people to make sure that they're winning because if if they're winning, the 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 momentum cycle continues. Um, all right, last question, Eli. If you lost it all, no more bikes. No more credit cards to swipe. No more nothing. What do you do? I go out there and I call everyone that I already know. And I ask what they're doing. And I get a feel for how I can give something to them. Um, I, think it's, I think it's the old me method to, you know, to think, oh, well, I'd find something to sell and sell it. Um, that's great. That's transactional. That's one time. That's like, great. You know, sell something, get paid once. That's cool. Uh, but man, if I can bring value, because what I, what I can't get taken from me, Chaz, is my experience. What I can't get taken from me is my expertise and the things that I'm an expert in. Those things will always be with me. And those actually have value, like, like money, financial value to other people. So I would, I would go right to my network, which is full of high performing individuals and i would see how i could add value to whatever they're doing i wouldn't even think about money i would just be like i, I can do this for you i can do this for you let me just do it and then we can figure out if it's something that we want to keep doing that's what i would do i would offer as much as i possibly could without talking about price because i know if i pursue that excellence that the success will come yeah pursuing excellence isn't that uh, the pursuit that uh, or or your potential the 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 man we're supposed to be or you know like you said um the one that uh, is just a few years down the road i want to i want to be able to meet that guy i don't want to i don't want to be this guy five and ten years from now i want to i want to meet that guy yeah um so you've been incredible um in helping us here today even myself being able to to continue to press in on that thank you for that how can the listener connect with you it's just real simple. I, I just go to elibowman.com. All of my links are there. You can find my socials. Um, you can find my book about Bitcoin. Um, okay. You can you can find me there. And uh, the, uh, eventually, I'll have a, a, a my own you know podcast and show coming out. It's not ready yet, but it's in the works. But Love all that. of that will be will be housed at elibowman.com. So thank you, Chas, for letting me mention that. Absolutely. And um, and you know, crypto is not going anywhere. There's a lot of up and down. You know, a lot of thoughts, a lot of emotion. A lot of big players coming in and out. Um, you yeah. know, give us give us thirty seconds. Why'd you write a book on Bitcoin? 
I uh, was a very early adopter of Bitcoin. The, the, the mission of Bitcoin was I was way more on board with that before I was on board with like investing in it. Right. Um, but man, I've lost, you know, one day I made 8,000. The next day I lost 10,000 just because <laughs> trying to pay trade crypto, bad, you know, bad, bad experience. So I, I decided to get educated and look at cryptocurrency, particularly Bitcoin as an investment opportunity using practices that have worked successfully and worked well over the years in the stock market. So this book is a great uh, beginner's book into investing in Bitcoin. Um, I, I wrote it, I co-authored it with um, with my friend Ar Arthur Fairburn, um, and that's going to be available at EliBowman.com. So if you believe in the mission of Bitcoin and you believe in the technology, then you know learn how to invest in it well. And I think you'll do really well in the future. I really yeah. do. That's just my personal advice. I'm not a financial advisor. It's not financial advice, but I think there's a lot there in Bitcoin and in cryptocurrency in general that, that can really supplement people's wealth. Lots of ways to make money. Um, and and what, a, what a great way to be maybe potentially um, on the front cutting edges. Uh, I know when I started investing several years ago, um, it was a little unshaky or a little shaky, a little unknown, a little uncertain. Definitely glad I did. Um, thank you so much again for being here. We wish you nothing but blessing, um, success, your family, your businesses, all that fun stuff. So again, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group, but that means that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.